Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. You're listening to the QuickBook Reviews podcast. Brighten your day with a book. Hello, my fellow bookworms. This is Philippa from QuickBook Reviews. How are you all? I am well, although I had an interesting incident this morning with a raincoat. I don't know why it's called a raincoat because it didn't seem to work. So it was raining. I had to go out for my run. Uh, did I have to go out for my run? Yes, because of the amount of chocolate that I like to eat. It's a balance. So put on this raincoat, go out within seconds of being outside. I am soaked. So this coat, instead of water sort of bouncing off the raincoat, as it should do, it soaks through and then the coat seems to form a protective layer of securing the water next to my skin. So that was that was very joyful indeed. So that was my raincoat experience. But anyway, lots to talk to you about. I've got seven books to talk to you about today. Um, some absolutely amazing ones, some great ones, some okay ones, all different sorts of things. And the most wonderful author interview. Yes, today we're going to be talking to Ellie Griffiths. And I have to give a big shout out to my lovely Facebook group. Um, if you want to join us, just go onto Facebook and type in the QuickBook Reviews podcast. You're very welcome. Uh, they've been giving me some great suggestions. I was asking for ideas of uh, who to interview this month. Um, and Ellie Griffiths was top of the list and uh, she very graciously agreed to come on. So that's great. So lots to look forward to. So let me tell you what books I'm reviewing today. So first of all, we've got uh, The Hit List by Holly Seddon. Now that's out on audiobook and ebook at the moment, and it'll be out in paperback uh, next year. We've got, of course, Ellie Griffiths, uh, The Woman in Blue, which is the eighth one in the uh, Dr. Ruth Galloway series. Now, don't worry if you haven't read any of hers or if you're waiting and you've just received the, the new paperback that's just come out. Um, we've got something for, for all of you, hopefully. Uh, with that, the next book I'm going to talk to you about is uh, one I've had on my bookshelves for a little while. And again, I've had some requests to include books that aren't brand new. Um, and this one is called I Am, I Am, I Am by the wonderful Maggie Farrell. Um, I've also got a sci-fi book to talk to you about, Sentient uh, by Nadia Afifi. Then we've got oh, Here is the Beehive by Sarah Crossan. That's a great book. Um, I've got uh, Orf Orphea 
which is by I hope I'm pronouncing that right. There we go. I've just oh, that's how I've been describing it when I've been telling everyone about this lovely book. But anyway, uh, by the uh, very wonderful Joanne Harris. Um, oh, gosh, see, I'm going to be just talking about lots of wonderful books. Uh, the Great Book You Can Trust Me by Emma Rowley. And finally, All the Lonely People by Mike Gale. So that is a lot of books to get through. So I'm going to put them back in the order that I've just described to you, because as you can guess, we've got a lot to get through. So let's start off with The Hit List by Holly Seddon. Now, Holly is a wonderful writer. Uh, she also co-hosts a brilliant podcast, the Honest uh, Writers podcast um, with Gillian McAllister. Um, I've really enjoyed Holly's other books, but this one, I would say, is a whole new level. Really, really good. And normally when I listen to an audiobook, which is what I did for this one, um, I enjoy them, but I never give them more than nine out of ten. Whereas this one, I've given it nine and a half. It's a cracker. Uh, so let me read you a bit of the blurb. So it's this. When Marianne's husband Greg is knocked off his bike and killed on the way to work, she must unpick the life he left behind. Numb with grief, Marianne consoles herself by scouring Greg's laptop, finding comfort in reading his old emails and tracing his footsteps across the web, until one day she discovers that he had been accessing the dark web. Why was Greg, a principal charity worker and dedicated husband, logging onto a website that showcases the worst of humanity's cruel impulses and where anything is available for a price? Marianne steals herself and logs on. After tentative searching, she discovers her name on a hit list. Uh, it's a great book, lots of twists and turns. Um, you think you've covered everything and then something else is revealed. It's a bit like, it reminded me a bit like of a Rubik's Cube, not something that I can't fathom, but just that you look at it from one side and you see the picture and then suddenly the, the cube turns and you're looking at the same thing but from another side and it keeps turning around. And, uh, just wonderful. Um, I really commend her for, for writing this book. It's got quite a plot to it good characters a bit different um yeah really gripping really enjoyed it well done holly great book uh, can't wait for the next one now <laughs> no no pressure so that was the hit list by holly seddon and as i say that's out now on ebook and audiobook um and also will be in paperback next year but of course i couldn't wait i had i had to to read it listen to it it was great so the next one is the ellie griffiths book the woman in blue now this is the eighth one in the series of the dr ruth galloway um and oh, it's just wonderful this i know i sound like i just think ellie griffiths is the bee's knees but i i do think she is because she writes great books and i do find it very comforting um to pick up these books because the characters are so believable the minute you open page one you're into the story it really sort of commands your attention i didn't find my attention wandering at all um and it's not one where i pick up the next in the series and have to scratch my head and think oh now, who was it and what was it? And can I remember what happened in the last one? I can, vividly. Um, so let me read you the blurb of this one. Two women are murdered in the shrine town of Walsingham, North Norfolk, not far from Dr Ruth Galloway's home. It is a place famous for hosting visions of the Virgin Mary and full of superstition. DCI Nelson finds it a frustrating town in which to separate fact from religious myth. 
A friend of Ruth's, who is a priest, has been receiving threats. The letter writer knows far more about her than they should, and the letter suggests Ruth's friend will be next. There is an avenging angel on the loose in Walsingham. Ruth had better pray that she and Nelson find them before they strike again. So this is wonderful. If you haven't read any of Ellie's series, um, any of the books, I would suggest starting at the beginning. With a lot of authors, I don't think you have to because um, each case dealt with in, the, in each book in the series is strong enough that you can just go in. But I would say that these books are so character driven. It's, it's, yes, it's the crimes and solving that and the twists and turns of that, but it's also these wonderful characters. And I'm so glad that I started at the beginning and have worked my way through. Um, and I would really recommend that. So if you haven't, the first one is The Crossing Places. As I say, I'm on the eighth one, The Woman in Blue. Um, we've just had the latest one, The Lantern Men, come out in paperback. Um, so there's all uh, sorts of wonderful stories. And I just can't wait to talk to Ellie a little bit later on about that book. But it's it's really good. Thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed it. So the next one, this is, this is a bit different, but brilliant as well. So I am, I am, I am by Maggie Farrell, um, is a book, it's non-fiction, and it's sort of, well, they, they call it a memoir with a difference, and, and that's what it is. She lists various different sort of life life or death experiences, near-death experiences, ones that were very, very close to death, and others not so, but who knows how it, how it could have turned out. Um, there I like the book because it's easy to read it's split up into all these chapters with titles such as lungs neck um baby in bloodstream abdomen uh, intestines that sounds really quite graphic doesn't it it's not it it just really makes you think about about life about the times that you've come close to you know something hmm, not being so good and just about the chapters of your life maggie has this wonderful way of writing i mean i've always enjoyed her fiction books so this is the first non-fiction of hers that i've read and i i just thought it was great it's one that if you don't have time to read a lot and and sort of romp through a whole book you can just take each chapter on its own um, and just sort of dwell in the moment as i say it's very thought-provoking um, and I I really enjoyed it. It was um, published. Now, let me find out when this book was published, because it was published a while ago. Um, 2017. There we go. So, yes, it's been out a few years. It's been sitting on my bookshelf and I'm really glad. I don't know what made me pick this up, um, but I'm really glad I did. And it's one that will stay with me. So uh, that was another good book. Now, this is a little bit different. This next one, this is The Sentient by Nadia Fifi. The race to stop the first human clones uncovers a dark secret. Um, so this is by Flame Tree Press, um, a, a small publisher. You'll have heard me talk about them before. Always keen to support the smaller publishers. Um, and this is quite an interesting book. So if you are into sci-fi or you know someone who is and you want something a little bit different then then this would be a, a good one for you. Um, let me let me read you the blurb. Amira Valdez is a brilliant neuroscientist trying to put her past on a religious compound behind her. But when she's assigned to a controversial cloning project, her dreams of working in space are placed in jeopardy. Using her talents as a reader of memories, 
Amira uncovers a conspiracy to stop the creation of the first human clone at all costs. As she unravels the mystery, Amira navigates a dangerous world populated by anti-cloning militants, scientists with hidden agendas and a mysterious New Age movement. In the process, Amira uncovers an even darker secret, one that forces her to confront her own past. So I went into this book thinking, oh, this is a sci-fi. Here we go. We're going up into space, blah, blah, blah. Um, and it's not at all. Yes, there is that. Um, there is, oh, I don't want to give too much away. Um, there is the talk of, of space, but it's also a sort of sci-fi dystopian, I would say. Um, and about the characters as well that, that are involved. Um, it's a good read. You're, gosh, it's not even 300 pages. So there's a lot packed in. Um, and certainly this uh, this lady can write. Uh, Nadia Fifi is a very talented author um, and it gives a really interesting perspective. So, yes, very, very interesting indeed. So that's The Sentient. Um, now, the next book is one I have been waiting for for a while. Here is The Beehive by Sarah Crossan. I am a fan of Sarah Crossan, it's fair to say. She is a lovely, kind lady and she can write. Um, you'll have heard me waffling on many times about her wonderful um, verse fiction. So these are books done um, as a story, but in verse rather than um, in, in plain paragraphs. Um, this is a slight difference for her because this is her first adult verse fiction and it's glorious. Let me read you the let me read you the blurb. What happens when you lose something the world never knew was yours? Anna and Connor have been having an affair for three years in hotel rooms and coffee shops, swiftly deleted texts and briefly snatched weekends. They have built a world with none but the two of them in it. But then the unimaginable happens and Anna finds herself alone, trapped inside her secret. How can we lose someone the world never knew was ours? How do we grieve for something no one else can ever find out? In her desperate bid for answers, Anna seeks out the shadowy figure who has always stood just beyond her reach, Connor's wife, Rebecca. Peeling away the layers of two overlapping marriages, here is the beehive, is a devastating excavation of risk, obsession and loss. Um, it's a bit like someone says, if you, you know, if you scream in the middle of a wood where no one's there, where no one can hear you, are you screaming? It's that weird one. So, and, and it's the same feeling of this book. If you're feeling things that you can't tell anybody about, that you can't think about, are those really feelings? Yes, of, yes, of course they are, I would say. And this is a glorious book packed with feelings. It's just it's just glorious. Whether you've read um, any of Sarah's books before, whether you've um, read verse or not, this is one that I really would commend. It's one I'm going to give to my mother and say, read this book because I it's wonderful. And I'm sorry, Sarah, but you better be writing your next one because I just I just want more of this. Um, and I want more, actually, I want more of, of Anna. I want to know more about her. So, yes, part two, please. Um, it's got the most glorious cover as well. Full marks for that. And it's just an extraordinary book. It's out in hardback. It's 200 and about 270 pages long. Um, it's one that you could read quite quickly because it is first, but equally it's one that you want to cherish and really savour each page. Um, it's it's a tale of from the heart. 
it's a tale of emotions, of love, of loss, of circumstance. And the verse element really plays into that. So, yeah, bravo. Absolutely brilliant. Um, and the next book is uh, is another wonderful one. So this is by Joanne Harris um, and it's called Orphea and it's it's gorgeous. Now, um, I was told it was a novella. I'm not sure I would say that because a novella to me is is uh, it doesn't do it doesn't give a full story. It's not complete enough. Maybe that's just me being wrong, but it's nearly 220 pages. And for me, this was just a wonderful story. The illustrations are exquisite. Um, they really are. So let's uh, let's read the blurb. When you can find me an acre of land, every sage grows merry in time. Between the ocean and the sand, there will you be united again. So begins a beautiful and tragic quest as a heartbroken mother sets out to save her lost daughter through the realms of the real, of dream and even into the underworld itself. But determination alone is not enough for to save something so precious, she must give up something precious, be it a song, a memory or her freedom itself. And uh, I just thought this was wonderful. It's it's a modern fairy tale. Um, it's got wonderful, stunning illustrations. The words are beautiful. Um, and it's one I will remember. It's one I want to keep on my bookshelves. I don't think I'm going to lend this to anybody because it's, it's exquisite. It's a quick read. If you're not into fairy tales and retelling and modern twists, then maybe it's not for you. But for everybody else, really, I think it's glorious. Um, really really enjoyable so that was wonderful and then the next book we've got two more so hang on in there we're, we're nearly we're nearly going to get to talk to Ellie not long now um so the next book you can trust me by Emma Rowley and I just finished this uh yesterday um and it's all about a ghostwriter so let's read read the blurb Olivia is the domestic goddess who has won millions of followers by sharing her picture perfect life online and now she's releasing her tell-all autobiography for professional ghostwriter Nikki it's the biggest job of her career but as she delves deeper into Olivia's life cracks begin to appear in her glamorous facade from the strained relationship with her handsome husband to murky details of a tragic family death in her childhood the truth belies Olivia's perfect public image um I really enjoyed this. It's easy to read. You get right into it. It's got the twists and turns. I found it interesting reading about a ghostwriter as well and how they have to approach things, obviously because they can't put their name on a book, how they um, have to sort of immerse themselves in someone's life and then detach themselves and whether it's possible in, in these circumstances. It had surprises. It's a good, it's a, a, a really good thriller. Lots of tension. Um, yeah, very good. I'll be looking out for more of uh, Emma Rowley's book. So that was You Can Trust Me by Emma Rowley. Very good indeed. And that's out now. Finally, we've got a book, All the Lonely People by Mike Gale. Um, and uh, let's let's read the blurb for you uh, on this one. In a weekly f in weekly phone calls to his daughter in Australia, widow. Oh, gosh, what am I doing? I have had coffee and yet I can't even communicate words to you. This is clearly a problem. I'm going to start again. In weekly phone calls to his daughter in Australia, widower Hubert Burt paints the picture of a perfect retirement packed with fun, friendship and fulfilment. 
but Hubert Bird is lying. The truth is day after day drags by without him seeing a single soul. Until, that is, he receives some good news. Good news that in one way turns out to be the worst news ever. News that will force him out again into a world he has long since turned his back on. Now Hubert faces a seemingly impossible task to make his real life resemble his fake life before the truth comes out. Along the way, Hubert stumbles across a second chance at love, renews a cherished friendship and finds himself roped into an audacious community scheme that seeks to end loneliness once and for all. Life is certainly beginning to happen to Hubert Burt, but with the origin of his earlier isolation always lurking in the shadows, will he ever get to live the life he's pretended to have for so long? Um, I enjoyed it. I had just finished listening to The Switch by Beth O'Leary and I'll probably be talking about that next week, I think. Um, And in some ways, I wish I hadn't sort of read the two so close together. They're not the same, but there are some similarities. Not the same at all. So uh, I'm not trying to say that they end in the same way. Not not one bit. Um, and this has some good uh, twists and turns. It's a feel good sort of uplit. Um, despite someone going through very difficult situations in their life, I think it's important that we talk about loneliness because, you know, so many people are suffering from it. It's uh, so, so sad. So, yeah, we, we need to be aware of this. We need to be including everyone in our society. Anyway, I'll get off my soapbox, shall I? I think that's enough of me. Read it. It's a, if, if what I've said appeals to you, it's a, it's a good read. And I think Mike Gale is a very accomplished author, always brings out new and interesting books. So there we go. Um, I think we need to talk to Ellie now. Do you? OK, let's talk to Ellie. Thank you so much for joining me today. I really, really appreciate it. Thank you for asking me. Oh, well, gosh, you've got so many books. I'm, uh, I think, you know, I'm such a fan already. What with the, even the children's books, the Justice series, we, you know, love those. And you've got um, Lantern Men is just out now in paperback, which is the That's 12th right. in the Ruth Galloway series. And you've got Postscript Murders coming out in October, 1st of October in hardback, which is, I believe, the follow on to the um, Strange Diaries, which was, again fantastic but oh, thank you it's a, it's a standalone really but it has one of the same characters the detective is, is that yeah that's right yes. well done, yeah yeah, yeah. so i mean so many different books so many different genres have you am i right in thinking you've been writing since about 2005 or does it predate that well you know i was just trying to think when we were talking <laughs> because uh, i've um I was writing first, and I think you might know this under my own real name, which is Domenica De Rosa, which yes. I know sounds, sounds completely made up, but actually it's my, <laughs> my real name. Uh, it's Italian, and it means Sunday of the Rose, if anyone's interested. Oh, uh, <laughs> so I wrote four books under that name. Um, and then I kind of turned to crime, which I think was in about 2009, was the first Ruth book, which was... Uh, the crossing places so yes yeah. feels like quite a lot of books since then yeah, it's wonderful so let's focus on the Ruth Galloway series uh, I mean you managed to combine brilliantly both sort of crime and archaeology H- how did you get that idea oh thank you so much and also thank you for all your support Philippa you've been amazing Aww. um so well the idea first came to me the first Ruth book as I was saying is called the crossing places and what had happened is my husband Andrew uh, Andy um 
he had been working, he, he, he studied law and he was working in a merchant bank in the city. So kind of like a really serious proper job. Yeah. And he suddenly decided, though he would say it wasn't sudden, to become an archaeologist. And it's something he'd always oh. wanted to do. So, um, and I remember when we first met, actually, he said to me, oh, you know, I, I didn't want to be a lawyer. I wanted to be an archaeologist. And I thought, oh, that's so sweet. Oh, bless. Um, but then by the time we were married and had two children, it seemed a bit less sweet. I yeah. But anyhow, <laughs> he, um, he went back to university and, and did archaeology. Oh. So we were sort of starting to get interested in archaeology. And I always remember we'd gone holiday to Norfolk which is where my aunt lives. So we'd often holidayed there and we're right. walking across Titchwell Marsh. Yeah. And Andy happened to say, with our, with our two young children, and Andy happened to say that prehistoric people thought marshland was sacred because it's neither land nor sea, but something in between. They thought of it as a kind of bridge to the afterlife. Yes. Neither land nor sea, neither life nor death, like a liminal zone. And I suddenly had the idea of what if a body was found there in that liminal zone and an archaeologist was called in and it was also a police investigation and that was the, the the germ that became the crossing places really and I always say and it is sort of true though I feel a bit embarrassed to say it that I did kind of see Ruth walking towards me out of the mist you know that she suddenly did appear um, and I teach creative writing and I'd never let my students get away with <laughs> but she did suddenly appear and she's a forensic archaeologist as you said she teaches at a made-up university called the university of north norfolk and one day she comes into work and there is a police officer waiting to see her and he wants to see her about a body that's been found uh, on the marshes that body is over two thousand years old but ruth is drawn into the investigation and as you will know into a very complicated relationship yes <laughs> <laughs> which is just wonderful and I was going to ask if if Ruth came to you sort of fully formed and clearly she did I mean was her was her character there as you saw her walking across was, was all of Ruth there or did you have to develop it really, her? it really was and it's yeah. an odd thing isn't it it is a strange thing and I have written uh, more than 20 books and it has never happened with another character but it did happen with her, like, so physically I could see her, I knew what she looked like. But also, you know, I knew where she'd been to school, I knew where she'd been to college, I knew what her favourite biscuit was. <laughs> it was as if, it was as if I knew all about a chocolate hobnob. I was just um, going to say, what is her favourite? Let's get the, the priorities, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yes, yeah, so I, I did feel like I knew all about her. I mean, I guess she has surprised me a bit as well in the course of, as you said, uh, The Lantern Men is book 12, yeah. and I've just finished writing book 13. So she has yeah. kind of surprised me a bit along the way, but really, I don't think her character has changed. And that was there kind of from the beginning, which is odd, isn't it? Oh, I mean, she's just, she's just wonderful. Does she talk to you when you're, <laughs> I don't mean that in a weird way, but you know, <laughs> is she in your head sometimes, even when you're not writing? she is because people sometimes say um you know is she me and uh and she isn't really but but sometimes I do think to myself what would Ruth do because I <laughs> I think I think she is quite she's more reserved than me and she she sort of stands back a bit and and you know waits to make judgment and waits to decide on things and I I kind of sometimes think I should be more like her really and whenever I'm writing and I I, I occasionally write you know Ruth said nothing all this happened and I always think gosh if somebody was writing about me they would never write those words so I sometimes try and be a bit more like Ruth really but 
I do hear her voice, as you said, not in a strange way, yeah. not in a weird way. But um, whenever I start a new Ruth book, I always think, oh, will I be able to hear her voice? And I always touch wood, have been able to, I'm touching wood. Um, I always so far have been able to. Uh, wonderful. I mean, the, the books are so addictive because you've, you've not just got these wonderful crimes that need to be solved. Um, you've got these characters that are just glorious and you care about the characters. So, and, and everybody that I've recommended your books to have loved, I haven't come across one person <laughs> that hasn't absolutely loved them. Which, do the characters drive each story or is it the crimes first of all? Sort of which comes first in each book? Well, that's a good question, and thank you for recommending them. That's really nice of you. Um, it's usually the story sort of starts with the place, actually, especially with this series, because Norfolk is such a big part of it. And, you know, I sort of start with the yeah. setting, really, um, and, and the archaeological thing. So I suppose the crime does come second to that in a way. But also the characters do drive the story. As you say, you know, it's 12 books now. So mm. there's quite a big cast of characters. There's Ruth and Nelson. There's also Cathbad, the Druid, and Judy, the other police officer. And, and Ruth, uh, it's not much of a spoiler to say Ruth has a child who's 10 now, you know. So I try to keep in control of them. I try to say <laughs> what I say, because I'm the writer. But sometimes the characters do do drive the plot because you know you you kind of know the ways in which they'll behave and sometimes they surprise you uh you know Cathbad in uh, House at Sea's End surprised me a lot what he got up to yeah yes and I I find I mean this sounds like I'm sucking up to you and it's not at all but I <laughs> The books are, I find them very comforting, particularly at the moment with all we're going through. I'm trying to space each book out because there, there are these wonderful crimes to solve, but these characters, as I say, that you do care about, it's just wonderful to pick up one of your books and immerse myself in it. It just, it, some books you fi I find it hard to get into at the moment, but your books, you're just, you know, click your fingers and, and you're there. How long, how long does it take to write one of these books? Oh, thank you, but that's really nice of you to say. And isn't it funny how we've all, a lot of us have turned to books for comfort mm. during this time. And I think there is something comforting about a serious character. I do think that, you know, you, you feel sort of relieved when Vera comes in or, or Miss Marble comes <laughs> in, don't you? Yeah. Um, the, at the moment, I'm contracted to write two books a year. So that's one Gosh. Ruth book and either one in my Brighton mystery series or a standalone. So the moment they take six months and it is something that I've learned that, that they kind of take the time that is there for them because I used to write one book a year and they took a year so yeah. um so they take about six months but obviously while I'm writing another book and actually for me I think this has helped kept the series fresh in my mind so while I'm writing one of the Brighton mysteries which are set in the 1950s so they're very different yeah. I, I often have sort of Ruth ideas while I'm writing them so I'll be writing one book I'm kind of writing down in my ideas book uh, about Ruth and similarly when I'm writing about Ruth I might have a, a you know a, an idea for one of the other series and I jot that in my little book so um they take it's, it's about six months really to, That's to, good. to write. I was going to ask you about the planning is that part of the sort of six months or as you say you're jotting down ideas is, is the planning something that takes up some, quite a bit of that time or is it just it's funny really because I have kind of changed I used to write I mean you know quite often writers talk about being divided between a planner and a pantser yeah you know a <laughs> who, who does and I've got writer friends who, who do this most amazing plans and spreadsheets yeah. and pantsers who write by the seat of their pants 
And I've always been a bit in between and I do usually write a plan, but it's very brief, like one line per chapter, but I used to always write it all out. But the last few books, so The Lantern Men, um, The Stone Circle and The Stranger Diaries, I didn't have a written plan at all. And there was something in my head. Um, and actually I would say they're my three most intricately plotted books. And I didn't have a written plan. And I don't know oh. if that's just something that has happened and it will keep on like that when yeah. it's just those books. Also for the postscript murders, which you kindly mentioned, which is out in October. Again, I didn't have a written plan. So perhaps I had a bit more of a plan for that one because it's written from four different viewpoints. But it is funny how that's changed, really. Yeah. Um, and I don't know, as I said, I don't know if I'll go back to writing things down, whether I'll keep on with this, this keeping it in my head. So a strange question. You've got these different series or different books. Do you have to write them in different places or can you just sit down at the same desk and write all of them? That's such a good question. No, I, 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 you, I try and say that I could write anywhere because I don't want to make it, you know, so as a sort of a superstition that I have to be in the same place. Yeah. But usually I've got a little shed, a writing shed um, at the top of our garden because I live just outside Brighton. So I've got this little writing shed with my desk and my computer in it. I've got a cat called Gus who normally sits with me oh. on his, he's got a special chair here. Um, so he normally sits with me. So yeah, I write them all in the same place. And I, I, I am happiest writing here really. it's where I'm talking to you now. Uh, it's, it's, you know, quite quiet. I've got apple trees outside. I can see a little bit of the sea. Um, so yes, I suppose I sit in the same place, but I'm transported somewhere else. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. And for, for people who, whether they've read the first in the series or, or, or on the last one, just to sort of deal with all of those, you've mentioned the crossing places, which is the first in the series and where we, we get to meet Ruth and, um, and, and all that, that her life in, entails. I've just finished The Woman in Blue, which is oh, the great. eighth one in the series. Part of me wants to just rush through and read them all, and part <laughs> of it is holding back because it, they are so, so wonderful to read. Oh. And, and then the last one, The Lantern Men, um, where I haven't, I don't want to look too much into what it is, but I believe that you know, everything's changed for Ruth, and, and yet the call of crime solving it is still there so there's something for everyone whether they haven't read any or or are waiting for the the, the next yes. one i mean i kind of hope that that i mean i suppose as with any long series with, with recurring characters it's possibly best to read them in order as you're doing yes. perfectly thank you very much starting with the crossing places <laughs> and getting through but you can read them obviously the mystery is self-contained within each book so the lantern men yes is book 12 and it starts off with Ruth in a very different place she's actually got a new job and and living somewhere else and a new partner um but it's not long i think it's actually chapter two before okay. the dark shape of DC, dci nelson appears Excellent. and there's a case that does lure Ruth back to norfolk and the title comes from this really interesting legend of these uh cloaked figures that appear on marshland at night carrying these lanterns and there are lots of legends about the lantern men but of course you must never follow them as all these mysterious cloaked figures you must never follow that light yes you must stay on the path but it's almost as if in this book that light is leading Ruth back to Norfolk so I think oh, that's all I'm going to say wonderful. without yes spoilers. yes don't don't say any more uh, is it hard to come up with all these different scenarios because 12 books in that's a that's a lot of different types of crimes and and clues and twists 
I think one of the best things I did was set the books in Norfolk, which was really just because it was a place I knew quite well because we'd had a lot of holidays there. My aunt lives there and my grandmother had lived there. Um, but you know what? Norfolk is one of the most archaeologically rich landscapes in the world. And the oldest human footprints outside Africa are in Norfolk, in Haysborough. Gosh. Or were there. And it's been occupied such a long time. So there's so much archaeology. And I sometimes say to people, you know, you know, I suppose anyone who writes a long-running crime series is a bit wary of that midsummer murders effect. Yeah. You know, yes, where, don't where live one, there. <laughs> where one beautiful part of the country is kind of unfeasibly <laughs> full of bodies. But um, what I the thing is Norfolk is full of bodies. You know, just yes. that some of them have been buried for thousands of yes. years. And, and and because of coastal erosion and changes, those bodies are coming to the surface. So touch wood again, because of Norfolk, I, I haven't been short of, um, so Norfolk has loads of archaeology and has loads of legends. And the new book, which is called The Night Hawk, which will be out next year, uh, focuses on a, a Norfolk legend of the Black Shuck, who is a, a spectral black dog that appears oh, to people. Wow. And again, like the Lantern Men, it's not a good thing if you see him. Okay. Uh, <laughs> so, you know, and I've waited for the 13 books to get the Black Shuck into a book. And there are many more. There are some amazing legends. So I think really it's because of Norfolk, I haven't been short of material. Wonderful. And although there are all these bodies and uh, sort of unnerving things I, I would say you're never too graphic you're, it's never too scary you know I'm, I'm not good at, at scary horror things and that you know if anyone's thinking well I haven't started the book sh should I are, are they would they be too scary I, I would say no do, do you sort of edit that yourself in your mind or well, well, it's like, and thank you for saying that, actually. Um, well, it's really, it's like everything. Is that I don't like uh, graphic violence in books, you know, and, and I know people who do it really well, but yeah. I don't like reading it. So yeah. I'm not going to, I'm not going to write it. So I would say that my books, as you say, although there, there are these kind of slightly spooky bits, slightly, slightly sort of ghosty bits, there's, there's never any graphic violence. Though, of course, murder is violence. And, yeah. and I always remember my, my first book, The Crossing Places, and I hope it's not too big-headed to say this, won a prize in America, which is called the Mary Higgins Clark Award. But it, uh, yes. it, it, it's for um, a book that has, has um, I think it's something like, it, with, with a strong female character, but no sex or violence. And I did think, uh, well, you know, spoiler alert, there is some sex, though not graphic again. Uh, and of course, murder is violent, isn't it? But but so there is there is murder in the book, but it but I can see what the Americans Club people yes. um, meant, yes. and uh, thank you, not being ungrateful for that award. But um, you know, it, there's nothing very graphic there, and and also I hope, as as you said earlier on, I hope I also hope they're quite funny and they're quite comforting. You know, that there's a group of yes. characters. There's Kathbad, who is a very yes. sort of eccentric druid. Wonderful. Uh, Ruth has a, her own take on life. So I hope they're not too dark. I think that's the message I'm trying to give. So you've mentioned, final question, you, you've mentioned the book that's coming out hopefully next year, uh, The Nighthawk. What, how, do you have in mind how many there will be in this series? Do I need to, you know, go into a period <laughs> of mourning? What can you... <laughs> I suppose all I'll say now is so the Night Hawks book 13, and I, I'm not superstitious, though writing these books is maybe more superstitious, but I was never going to end on 13, so there'll be at least one more after that. Okay. Um, 
and and then I'll have to think maybe there'll be a pause. I'm not ready to give up altogether, but I am just starting to see because there is this uh, relationship running through the books of Ruth and Nelson, and mm. I'm kind of beginning to see in my own mind how that's going to work out. Which, to be honest, up to this point, I haven't. <laughs> so it's just been like real life, really. <laughs> you know, I, I never know what, what's going to come next. So, but after the night talk, there'll be at least one more book. Okay, I'll I'll calm down then. So you've got a few to get through, don't okay. worry. <laughs> well, Ellie, thank you so much for joining me and thank you for these wonderful books. They they oh, mean you. a lot. Thank you so much and thank you for all your support. Well, that was rather wonderful, wasn't it? Um, yeah, fantastic. So I think we've covered enough for this week and there's even more books to talk to you about next week. Loads of them. Can't wait. So let's just do a brief recap of uh, the books I've covered this time. So we've got The Hit List by Holly Seddon, um, The Woman in Blue by Eddie Griffiths, I Am, I Am, I Am by Maggie O'Farrell, The Sentient by Nadia Fifi, Here is the Beehive, Sarah Crossan, Orphia by Joanne Harris, you Can Trust Me by Emma Rowley and All the Lonely People by Mike Gale. I think I'd better stop now and uh, go back to reading. You look after yourselves and I'll see you very soon. Take care now. Bye-bye. You've been listening to the Quick Book Reviews podcast. That's enough books, said no one, ever. See you again soon. 